welcome to episode 18 of Becoming an Elite Financial Advisor with Sten Morgan, where we help financial professionals like you recognize and reach your potential faster. We've helped hundreds of advisors to start charging for their advice. But the number one objection we get from those who haven't started charging is this. How do you keep a paid planning client happy throughout the year? So today, Stan is going to answer that question with several practical things you can do to get paid planning clients and keep them happy throughout the year, all the way up to the time for them to renew. If you're ready to start getting paid for your advice, go to eadvisornetwork.com and check out our How to Charge for Your Advice program. The average price for an advisor's first paid plan after going through our program is $3,000, so it pays for itself right away. Here's my conversation with Sten Morgan. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Andy Traub. Today, we're going to talk about how do you keep planning clients happy? This is the number one question that we get when we teach advisors who have not really started charging for their advice. Okay, that sounds great, but what do I do for them? How do I take care of someone throughout the year in a way that they feel like that fee is substantiated? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I loved, as we were preparing for this, I loved your first point. So just get right to it. This is the this is the key to victory right here. Oh, and I learned this. The This took me two years to realize and then internalize yeah. um, that you need to bring on the right clients. Every time I had this sense uh, of, man, I'm not doing enough. Like, I need to call them. Like, are, are they going to renew? Do they think I'm valuable? It was because I saw a need that somebody had and I had a solution for it, but I overcommitted, meaning they didn't need a 12-month engagement for that thing. Should I have just shared the idea with them and said, hey, good luck, that it wasn't necessarily a planning client for us? And then as I got better at recognizing the clients that truly needed us, uh, and had a lot of value we could add, I never would feel that because we would send monthly updates out. We'd speak to them maybe quarterly or semi-annually if they were you know larger clients and they were great. And a lot of those are business owners that just need somebody to call or push an idea to. And, and so for us, it was as we dial in who our ideal avatar is, who are we built to serve best? I really don't feel that anymore. Mm. So, so I, I would challenge any advisor, even if you're new to it, Make sure that your service model isn't in alignment with your fee. That's usually where I think there's a disconnect where it's like, man, I charge them this. Am I justifying that? But if you charge somebody fifteen hundred bucks for a plan, I mean, what's the bar really that you have to overcome? Not a right. lot, right? Like two in-person meetings, give them a couple ideas. Like you've probably just at least saved them ten grand. You know, maybe close to ten x what they paid you, and you should never hesitate in that engagement. I mean, there's plenty of attorneys that are charging twenty five hundred dollars for a estate plan that they filled in a template and did it in two weeks and they're done. And so for any advisor- And they're not apologizing for that. Oh, not at all. And they'll keep doing it. Nor do I think they have to. Yeah, we have advisors, we coach that are having a hard time charging $3,000 for financial plan and they're available all year. And they're gonna put a lot of time into it. And so so first point of it is is you keep them happy by making sure you let the right people in the the club. You know, like good expectations up front. And if they're the right people that you're built to serve well, you rarely feel that. Yeah. And also remember, and I think I've learned this from watching you and your business, that when you have those people, they know other people that also are in that same line, that thread, that, you know, attitude, that expectation, that lifestyle, that they, they will attract those same sort of clients. That's right. And, so, and there will be times where you need to trust that, like, this person 
has the makings of a client. I could probably get them to pay me the fee, but sometimes the time is not right. Like a, a client could be a great client six months from now, but maybe not today. Give me an example of why that might, what's the scenario where that might make sense where you go, you know what, I, this might be a little early. I need to let them sit on that idea for a bit or. We had some clients that were airline pilots, um, owned a business together. Uh, and I think I remember them telling me that they're like, oh, we'll be traveling a lot for the next three or four months. Let's go ahead and get everything set up. And well, I did, but now I'm like, I haven't been able to talk to them. Like we're, we're kind of, to them, they're, they've paid this fee and they've received no value. Mm. And they knew that. They're, they know they're traveling a lot. But would it have been better in that situation where you'd be like, sounds great. Hey, here's a couple things you can do in the meantime. But when yeah. you come back, because their first impression now is I paid for something and I haven't talked to those people yeah. for three months. Yeah. Can we overcome that? I, I, I believe so. And the clients, you know, had expectations yeah. that were reasonable. But at times, if you can remove the sense of urgency, which is usually the fear that there's no other clients coming which, you know, I, I've lived in that for a long time early in my career where I was like, this is it. I got to close this because I may never get another client again. <laughs> the abundance mentality of it is that you'll get better at saying, hey, here's a few good ideas, but, you know, we're probably not the best fit for you because um, you're protecting yourself and your whole team if you let the right people in. Or you'll get better at saying like, oh, this is great. There's a lot to do here, but like, let's onboard you in July. One, because they may not be ready. Two, you may just have a lot of plans in the works. And this is what we're facing now with our plans is that we need to try to space them out. Yeah. To where, man, we have 10 people renewing in June. If somebody comes to us, we'd be like, great, we're going to start our engagement in July. And all of a sudden, we've just created a waiting list to some extent. We still give them some ideas to work on, but it doesn't always have to be they need to become a client tomorrow. Yeah. I, I think about when I was, when I called my mechanic and I go, when can I get in for this? I don't want them to say, we'll take you today. Because my expectation is the work will be done today. And if, if, if it's like, if the work's not going to be done today, then, you know, schedule me for next week. That's fine. Yep. But don't, don't take on people and then have a, a bad first impression. Because, yeah. you know, I don't know if you've heard this, but you get those one time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right, yes, right. Yes. I just came up with that on the spot. That's good. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So one of the other things I think that you do well and, and, and it helps clients start happy and stay happy and a lot of advisors that are learning this for the first time, they, they sort of get this panic, like, how do I how do I convince them that this is going to be a year-long engagement? How do I set that expectation? And it seems like you do a good job of setting the expectation. Um, and you, you, you slow down, but you don't um, lower the level of service. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you do that? How do you, how do you serve someone well uh, without trying to do it all in two months? Yep. So part of uh, like our first meeting, meeting a client, sharing ideas, we're generous up front, is we're gathering information to set the list of potential objectives. In meeting two or even three, we're then trying to say, let's prioritize these together. So with the client, we're prioritizing what's the thing that would be most meaningful for them. A lot of times that's, man, if we got an estate plan in the next month, if you helped us set up that meeting and even came to the meeting, if the, the engagement's large enough, and we say, boom, check, your estate planning's done. If you accomplish that in the first two months, that's a win to most people. Mm. Recognizing that you can spread the engagement out. Because early on, I'd say, hey, there's five things we need to get done. Let's get it all done in a month. And all of a sudden, the client's kind of frazzled a little bit. We get, kind of got some things done. Because remember, their life is still happening. And that left me with, okay, we just did that. Now we have 10, 11 months of what? And so that it's okay to spread it out. Obviously, if something's a, a red item, you need to get on it. But giving a client a 12-month roadmap is completely reasonable. Right. Hey, this year we're going to accomplish this. And then asking, if we accomplish these things in this year, would that be success for you? 
clear expectations. They've set it. Um, that's where in the past I look back and it was, it was me setting expectations, not being clear with what was coming next that typically led to the client, you know, questioning where are we, what are we working on next? Yeah. And that's something we can control. It is something you can control. And I think it's interesting to, you know, if you subscribe to something, you know, it's like, I don't want all 12 issues in the first month. That's right. uh, You know, but it's just an expectation thing. You know, if I buy a set of books and there's 12 of them, I want them all at once. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't want you to like space them out for me. (laughs) But if you get a magazine, it's like, yeah, I expect it to come once a month. And I think, again, what's the difference? Expectations. And, And you can control those. Um, and I do think that I, I love that reminder. It's very small and maybe subtle if, if maybe some of you missed it, but they have life still going on, mm-hmm. right? You're thinking about them a lot. It's it's what you care about and think about it day in and day out as an advisor. But it, is it really serving them if you're like, hey, this month I need to call you 27 times That's because right. we're doing all six of these things this month? And they're like, man, I got stuff going on. That's I appreciate right. the hard work. but So I do think that there's something even emotional about don't overwhelm them, mm-hmm. and also emotional about like, wow, just through the year, you guys have just been consistently, it seems like every other month we're doing something. Yep. Uh, I, I think that that's wise on, that's a, sort of a, that's a, that's a pretty baller like EQ move, like emotional mm-hmm. intelligence of mm-hmm. like, get, let them process these things that's instead right. of overwhelming them. So that's yep. good. In, in our rhythm typically is it's about a, a month or so of initial meetings, gathering information, mm-hmm. sharing some proactive ideas before you even charge them anything proposing an engagement, them saying yes. And then we have about two months of gathering additional information and preparing the plan until maybe in month four, we have an actual delivery. Like there needs to be a meeting of like, here's what you've given us. Here's our initial ideas. Here's the plan. And now the next six to seven months is let's implement this together. And so if, if you rush it or if you don't have a good rhythm, you're going to feel like I don't have anything to do, but just know there's a good three, four months up front of gathering information, putting together ideas, doing research, deliver the plan. And after that, it's, hey, I'm going to check in with you once or twice. If something comes up, feel free to reach out to us. And once you establish a good internal process, it removes a lot of the fear of like, what am I doing? Yeah. Because it's worked, you've done it. And every once in a while, there's going to be somebody that just doesn't fit that. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you need to tear down what you built. One of the things that I, as we talk with advisors around community about this, this sort of the key to victory when you become, you know, when you start to get people to pay you for your advice uh, are the monthly updates. So you, you make a distinction though, that you need to have monthly updates with meaning. Mm -hmm. So in order to do those first, I want to talk about how, I want to talk about how long they take you in a minute, but first, what does a monthly update with meaning mean for you? Because this is something that, that even internally uh, with your company that you're, you're really pushing the staff on like, Hey, let's really make sure these have, some meat to them. So right. what what does that look like for them to have meaning? Version one was me going through the initial list that we put together and changing things from outstanding in progress to complete. So it was very quick. I could just go through and say, hey, the client didn't get back to us this month, so we really didn't change anything. It's going to look like it did last month. And I could just go pretty quick with those. Mm-hmm. That was a capacity issue for me also until I now have, you know, a director of planning, a junior advisor. We have more eyes to put on things to where now when we meet for an hour and a half, we sit in a room. I said, guys, we can't sit down and just try to crunch these, like, these things out. Let's sit down. And before we even meet, I need you guys to look at each one of these clients, consider what's their profession, what things have changed in the market, 
what proactive things can we call them with and say, hey, we weren't thinking about this before, but things have changed. That's the magic. If you call somebody and say, hey, here's an idea that we that's it, proactive and is going to add value that you didn't even think about. But to do that, you have to take time. And so we sit in our conference room with our whiteboard, with each of our planning clients, looking at the summary saying, what's changed here? Is there anything we've researched in the meantime we can call this client and help them with? That's meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. So if you feel as you're doing your monthly updates, and again, there'll be a progression, there'll be mm-hmm. version one, version 10, mm-hmm. that you're just trying to check the box off to get it out, them receiving that from you does add value. It keeps sure. you front of mind. Hey, they're thinking about me. Oh, it's good to see. And they're really clear about what they need from me this month in order for them to accomplish our goals. It's another level. The level up of that, the black belt of that is you have a team or somebody else that's proactively putting those together and researching it. So by the time it makes it to the lead advisor, we're putting our flair on it and maybe a one-off call the client made to us that we have to put in some detail, but it's, it's robust and proactive. That's the goal. So another part of this um, is that you are tracking and quantifying what you do. How do you do that? Uh, you know, you said there's, there's, uh, you know, assumptions that go along with tracking First, well, let me ask a larger question, which is why don't you think that advisors um, track and quantify um, as much as you do with your planning clients? The When I didn't do it, I was stuck in kind of the old way of thinking in the industry, that the products were the value, that my hope is I'm just going to add more clients than I lose and hope they like me enough just to stay with me. Right. And I'm going to do a pretty good job. As I've shifted to, uh, I need to overwhelm clients with value. I am the product. Therefore, we need to be researching and bringing things proactively and give clients a different experience. The ability to take an idea and to truly put it into some, to put a dollar value to that idea helps us and helps the client. Mm. Because outside of that, I used to keep the value we were adding a secret. That if I help somebody fund a SEP IRA and they've never done it before with $40,000 and their tax rate effectively is 25%, that's a $10,000 idea that year alone. And you'd be surprised how many CPAs that I talk to and they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. They should fund a SEP. And I'm like, well, why aren't they? Well, I'm not really sure. Okay. But over the next 10 years, that's a $100,000 idea. So why would I keep that a secret when I tell the client, hey, you paid us $10,000 for planning this year and this one idea paid for our whole fee? Is is one of the reasons, and again, I'm not a rhetorical question, really not sure. It's one of the reasons that advisors may not want to track and quantify is they're afraid that the results aren't that good. Is it a work ethic thing? Is it just hadn't thought of it? I mean, what what are some other practical reasons why advisors would just not, I mean, is, is part of it that uh, the industry says like, don't promise? It's not a promise. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's, it's pointing backwards. So it's, it's already happened, but yeah. What what is it that advisors are? And you mentioned kind of old school thinking. Like, why wouldn't an advisor say, "Yeah, like this decision has helped you save this much in taxes," or if you would have like kept doing this with your car payment instead of putting it over here, mm-hmm. the difference is you've accumulated another twenty percent versus you had a car that went down in value. I mean, what's the? I think the the industry has taught advisors to to speak more about the product or the fund or the thing mm-hmm. as their value. And they kind of hold on to that. So when they do illustrations or they say hey, this insurance policy dividend, like you're talking about stuff at the end of the day that you can't control. And it's so product based, which is a commodity. Yeah. I think it is, a, it is, a, it is a muscle to flex and build 
to be able to say an idea is more valuable than a product. That the product might be necessary to fulfill the idea. Yeah. But that if we can become idea focused, strategy focused, and that's why we put that book out last year, Wish I Knew That Sooner. It's like, here's a bunch of great ideas most people don't know about because advisors aren't trained to talk about it. Yeah. Because they don't get paid to. And that's the beauty of financial planning. And even if you're not charging for your advice, if you learn to speak this way, I spoke to 20 advisors the other day in an office in Nashville, and their structure won't quite allow them to charge enough for planning, in my opinion, yet. But I was like, imagine this meeting when you talk this way. Yeah, yeah. And you're still trying to sell insurance or the investment. That's the only thing you have to offer. But you do it in context of this kind of interaction. Yeah. What do you think your close rate is? And to them, it was just like, mind blown. And so if we can realize that if we were the client, if Sten was the client, and I'd be a difficult client to have, and someone said, hey, Sten, here's an idea. Here's how much it costs to work with me. Oh, by the way, here's the value of that idea. I've just paid for myself before you've even signed up. Where's the friction there? Like that, yeah. that, that's just, you know, fish in a barrel. So I think for advisors, if you do not know how to do that yet, press into it. And it may seem simple and small to start when you, because you, you do have to make some assumptions. Based on today's estate planning laws with mm-hmm. the exclusion of what you can pass away with, with these changes we made of getting this these funds out of your estate, even if we assume they grow at 7% a year for the next 20 years, what we've just removed from your taxable estate was $5 million at 40%, here's what this idea maybe has saved you. Because you know with conviction, if they don't do anything and this stuff plays out the way we think it may, that will be an expense to them. And so you have to actually step into a place of confidence and saying, with these assumptions, we are making some assumptions, here's the value this idea could have. The client needs to know that because you are creating urgency for them to to act. Yeah. Or if you say, hey, here's this cool thing you should do and it's going to cost you $10,000 to do it, they're like... I have to go grocery shopping right now. If I don't, my wife will be upset or I have to make it to my son's soccer game. Like that's the thing that's dominating their thoughts versus you bumping something up their internal list of saying, no, this is a big problem. Like if you don't address this, like your future self will not be happy. It's fascinating to me though, that that this is one of the core teachings you have is to quantify the value of your advice. So it's not a $2,000 move. It's a $20,000 move because you're going to like project forward Mm -hmm. uh, and then compound interest or whatever it might be. That that is like it's it's like leaving the secret sauce off you know <laughs> the right. the wings or whatever it's like oh these are just wings uh-huh. like well I, I mean I don't want to put the secret sauce in there like that's the whole point that's right. you know and it's 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 awesome to see advisors and it's 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 a blessing of you being able to go talk to twenty the other day here in Nashville or the ones we get to work with like it's just so much fun to see them go yeah I just I've been doing this but and then I just put a number on it. Yeah. And that's, it's okay to put a number on it. Like, you don't put it in a contract and say, if that doesn't happen, you know, you get all your money back. But yep. to, to, yeah, to project for it, because that's, that's, you're trying to give people a vision for what could happen and get them excited about it and give them a roadmap, give them something to shoot for. And I think that that's, that's a gift to people. People want to get confidence. They want to feel confident. And sometimes you have to be the one to give them that confidence right. and give them that roadmap. And I think that's one of your superpowers and the advisors that we know it's like why they started on successful It's because they have confidence and then their clients feel that confidence right. and then they make decisions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think the, uh, I had to do a really cool exercise with a group of advisors a few weeks ago about kind of their superpower. And I sat in a room and I asked them, what is your superpower in this mm. business? And it just, they were all just kind of frozen. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you get? Cause it's a weird term to use for financial advisors, but I was like, you need to be better at something than most. 
not everything, but like, what is your thing that like separates you that helps you add unique value that, you know, that you somehow get through the noise of all the things other advisors are saying. And it was a neat exercise because the first people were like, Oh, I'm, I'm trustworthy or I'm competent. And it's like, guys, those aren't superpowers. Like, no that's offense, what, but that's I've never seen expect. that on Marvel. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, there's Iron Man the and then there's a uh, trustworthy guy. <laughs> you know, no, he didn't yeah. make the cut. But this could be a superpower for somebody. If you really learned how to quantify the value of ideas really well, that would quanti- that would be a superpower. Yeah. If you learned to hold super creative meetings that left people feeling, I've never had a meeting like that before, that could be a superpower. Yeah. It, it could be tax strategies or estate planning or insurance. Like you could have something that you get so good at when you see yourself as the product that it becomes a superpower. And every elite advisor I work with has something that I'm like, they do that better than most. Yeah, that's true. That's a good, that's a good observation. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, Stan. Thanks, bud. So while I have your attention, let me challenge you with this question. Are you charging for your advice? And if you are, are you serving your clients throughout the year? If you've been nervous about starting to charge for your advice, then we encourage you to start with our program, which you can find at eadvisornetwork.com. We're here to answer any questions you might have, so you can reach out to us at stenmorgan.com slash podcast. We would love to hear from you. And as always, thanks for listening. We appreciate you.